Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, did you know it's buying season? Buying season? Yeah. In my house, it's always buying season, well, it feels like, because I got kids around. And, that's you know, true. Like, yeah. like I'm always buying my toddler's shoes, or my wife's See, always there buying you go. Like, right. Like, so it's, it's always con- a constant parade of shoes. But this you is get them not- brand new shoes, and you yeah. scuff them up two days later. I don't understand how that even happens. <laughs> But maybe this is not the buying season you're talking no, about. No, I don't think no. it is. No, okay. we're talking about the government <laughs> buying season. Yes. Which, if you're in government or sell to government at all, you're very familiar with it. We're coming up on the time of year when all those RFPs and RFQs yep. and requests for information are yep. flying over. Yep. And maybe you're hopefully going to close some deals. So we have brought back with us Jeff Smith today yes. to talk a little bit more about that. He was with us a few months back to talk about you know government heading into this year and what mm-hmm. to expect from the new mm-hmm. administration. So now we're going to dive a little further in and talk about what's coming up in the buying season. We're going to talk about some of the current administration's plans yep. around infrastructure and how that might impact our channel. And There's a lot business. of government money floating around, it seems there like, is. right? We've got all these stimulus packages out there, another one on, the, right. on the books, potentially. Man, yeah. Exactly. So we need a guru. We, we need do. Jeff. We yeah. need somebody that understands this this world and can give everybody the, the feedback and the information about how to go out and tackle it and be prepared to win some business. There you go. Absolutely. So working with government entities is not the easiest thing in the world. It's a very slow, difficult process, but it can also be a very lucrative yes, one. Absolutely. In the right hand. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of SLED as their kind of fiscal years more or less mm-hmm. winding mm-hmm. down uh, and, you know, kind of get an eye ahead of what kind of technologies and solutions may make an impact down the road. So all of that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. <laughs> Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Jeff Smith, welcome back. He is the president of True Upside Consulting and frequently works with our Zebra team and, mm-hmm. and Zebra partners. Uh, Jeff, welcome back to the show. We appreciate having you. What have you been up to since the last time we talked? Well, we've been awful busy. Uh, we you know, are trying to take it, help our clients and our partners take as much advantage as possible of the spending and the additional incremental discretionary funds that are coming out through the new administration. Uh, we've also been closely following uh, some of the key programs. Homeland Security has re, uh, has um, released First Source three, and uh, NIH has released CIO SP four. So two of the big programs that we talked about in the last podcast are out and being actively competed. So it's a it's a really great time. Yeah. And yeah. see, this is why Jeff's on, because he already said two things there that went right over my head. <laughs> oh, you're not an acronym guy? I'm, well, I mean, I am an acronym <laughs> guy, but not when it comes to this government stuff. So right? I'm, I'm yes. glad we have someone to kind of help us out with this. We here. need more than ever a specialist in, in the government. Yes. Very much so. There you go. Well, Jeff, you mentioned, obviously, you know, you've been keeping an eye on what's happening in the new administration, the the funding that's coming out. I think the last time we talked, we talked about the, uh, was it the TDF? Is that the name of it? The, mm-hmm. the, the technology fund? TMF. And, uh, TMF, that's TMF. right. And, um, Obviously, you know, a big topic that's been, you know, rattling its way around government is this this infrastructure slash mm-hmm. American jobs plan that the Biden administration is, is pushing hard for. There's been a lot of back and forth trying to, you know, find some kind of bipartisan ground for it, mm-hmm. at least to, to put it through. But even if I think even if that doesn't happen, it sounds like they might be able to use the whole budget reconciliation process again to to get something through here regardless. So it feels to me like there's there's some kind of a big infrastructure plan that's going to be happening within the next, you know, mm. foreseeable future, maybe hopefully 
hopefully in the next few months here. And I'm sure that's going to, you know, have a, a huge impact. So, Jeff, from your point of view, you know, do you see that same kind of likelihood of this is going to pass? And, you know, what components are part of this should be a big boon for for our industry, for our resellers, for the IT world? It's a great question. So currently, the presidential budget office uh, from the, the president or the chief executive branch uh, is at uh, 2.7 trillion uh, is where he believes that we need to invest for this. And the Congressional Budget Office is at 1.8 trillion. So there's a pretty big delta there. And what usually happens is between the executive branch and the congressional branches, they'll meet somewhere in the middle and there'll be some horse trading or you know what's called pork um, for uh, certain committees and certain programs. But I absolutely believe it'll, it'll be passed. Um, it'll be spent over a decade. And I think that uh, President Biden wants to leave his mark uh, as a president that uh, made very, very meaningful program impact and very, very meaningful investments in our country. So I do see it passing. Um, the second question you had is, where's the opportunity for us and our partners? Well, the, the key opportunities are, um, there's a huge emphasis on modernizing uh, our nation's schools. So that will obviously impact state and local and also community colleges. There um, is a lot of money in there for upgrading uh, VA hospitals and federal buildings, and that will obviously encompass technology and uh, rural broadband. Uh, he, uh, this, you know, we've always talked about kind of the last mile or the, the number of people that are underserved by technology in this country. He wants 100% broadband coverage, and that this bill calls for that. And so, under all those things, there's terrific opportunity for us and our partners. I was reading into it a couple other ones that, that I thought were interesting and I think would have an impact on certainly our customers in the channel, strengthening manufacturing supply chains for critical goods. You know, I, I'm glad to see that that was called out there, but, you know, specifically the way it's written. And, and again, don't know that it's going to turn out this way, but $50 billion to create a new office the Department of Commerce dedicated to monitoring domestic industrial capacity and funding investments to support production of critical goods back here in the, in the states and, and you know we talked in another podcast about kind of the reshoring that is going right. on so so when you think about that if if you've got 83% of manufacturers which was the one report from Thomasnet saying hey, 83% of manufacturers are going to try to reshore some of their supply chain. Now you also have the government kind of backing it with some uh, desire to strengthen the manufacturing process. That I think that's going to feed right into a lot of our, our resellers who are in that, you know, who play in right. the transportation, logistics, supply chain. There's just going to be a, a lot of investment, it sounds like, uh, in there as well. Um, you know, Jeff, going back to the other one, because I made a note of it too, the school modernization. And, and I think that there is some opportunity there. When you think about school modernization, it's, it's across the board on technology, right? It's not just HVAC, HVAC systems, but it's networking gear and, you know, tracking and, and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. You know, anything from lifecycle management for any IT product and obviously creating virtual environments that students can thrive in. Um, my son just graduated yesterday, as a matter of fact, from high school. And, you know, it was a real struggle this year for the students. Um, and one of the main investments that the Fairfax County School Board made was in a black Blackboard collaboration tool. And it just flat out didn't work. Mm -hmm. So um, enabling virtual learning and enabling virtual classrooms, uh, everything throughout the IT life cycle management piece and enhancing that, there's going to be a lot of money invested in that in the next 10 years. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, schools are always one of those, you know, you, it's so personal because if you, you know, a lot of people have kids and so right, they understand right. school and, and, and the need to modernize uh, that as well. Another thing that it called out that I wanted to throw on the table really early on, because I think this is really important when you, when you think about how, because I know a lot of resellers who don't play in government or whatnot, they, you know, they try to figure out how to get tapped into it. Well, one of the things that this calls for, if it, again, if it goes through in, in somewhat of an iteration that it's being presented, uh, is calling on innovation hubs. Now, I think what I like about this or what I like about innovative innovation hubs is the ability for our resellers to connect with other technology professionals and really start embracing some new solutions that are going to be uh, developed out out there. I mean, when you look at the, this infrastructure bill, and, and it's, you know, yeah, okay, a lot of it's roads and stuff like that, but also a lot of it is new kind of, uh, you know, new energy uh, type of, you know, reinforcing that infrastructure and stuff like that. That's going to take some innovation. So being a part of an innovation hub, that's what I would be looking for. If I was a reseller in, in, in whatever here in Cincinnati, I'm going to start looking for over the next year or two, if some of this funding goes into re regional innovation hubs mm -hmm. you want to be a part of that oh, you know yeah. have one of your employees you know start going to some of those uh you can meet up with people they have meetings in them just see what's going on and tapping into that uh you know innovation is definitely one of those things that i hope fueling a part of that comes out of this and that would be one of those areas that you could you know could uh, see some traction yeah. you know, from a reseller. Well, I think what's important here too is that ultimately this money, once it's out there and it's getting, it's making its way through over the next decade or so, <laughs> you're not talking about just government contract stuff. Mm -hmm. We're talking about stuff that will trickle down <clears throat> eventually to businesses and to end users and customers that any VAR might be working with, whether they are involved in government or not. You know, yeah. if, right. if it's if it's in you know. Again, that whole like you mentioned the infrastructure thing. People always think like, oh, it's just about like you know yeah, roads, roads and buildings and bridges, power, bridges and yeah. power grids maybe or whatever. But no, like, and that's kind of why they're trying to reframe this a little bit as this whole American jobs plan. Is this mm -hmm. idea like, look, this is something that's going to be expansive and open up a lot of opportunities in a lot of different industries, not just the standard stuff that most people think of. And I think you know that could come down to just like a field service, you know, organization, for instance, mm -hmm. that you know their job is to go out there and manage and service, you know, power grids or this whole broadband thing. If if we're going to expand broadband and make it more accessible for everybody, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that that may not necessarily be a specifically a government job, mm -hmm. but could be just you know a, a local contractor of some sort that gets that gets to work on that mm -hmm. and could be something that you as a VAR get to go talk to and play with, even if you don't typically have anything to do with the government space whatsoever. So. Yeah. It, it, it ultimately can involve you and involve your business, and you should be paying attention to what's happening. That's here. it. That's it right there. You need to be paying attention to what's happening in Washington. I know a lot of us get turned off, myself included. <laughs> I, when you start talking about what's happening in Washington, it's like, really? I got something else better to do, I'm sure. Just tell me what the result is. Right. Sorry, Jeff, nothing against you. In the, in the market, but, okay. but I think most people okay. act that way. But to your point is you need to be aware of these things that are happening because – there's opportunities, you know, it might be Very secondary, so. tertiary opportunities, but they're out there. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, then, you know, Jeff, let's pivot here and start talking about this whole buying season that's coming up. And and if someone is not terribly familiar with the world of government, you know, they operate on their own fiscal calendar. You know, a lot of different companies and industries and organizations yep. do this. Right. But theirs is coming up with where Q4 comes up uh, starting July through September, I believe. And uh, so obviously that that end of year where it, you get to this point of the there's money laying around that you got to spend it or lose it, you know, which happens in a lot of organizations and a lot of fields. But I imagine even more so in 
the world of government. So can I help us walk us through, you know, what someone should be expecting at this time of year? You know, it's we're just starting June as we're recording this and we've got that that final quarter coming up. What should we expect and what should VARs be doing right now to get ready for that? It's a great question. You know, let's let's just talk about just seasonality 101. Uh, if you look at state and local, around 60 to 65 percent of their purchases are going to happen between uh, May 15th and June 30, because uh, their fiscal year ends in a different space. If you look at the federal IT purchasing, it can be as high as 70 percent. One thing that's really interesting that I, I researched in, in preparation for our, our, our talk today is that federal contracting actions year to date are up 20 percent. So that is a very, very positive sign for what the buying season is going to bring. Secondly, we need to make sure that our partners from a sales approach standpoint have a very strong communication plan with their customers. I like to call them integrated planning sessions where they're talking to their procurement and program management people that are longtime customers or, or new customers about what they anticipate in the buying season. What are your key projects? What are the key things that are going to impact agency mission? What are the priority procurements? It's about a communication plan now. And that's for mainly federal. For state and local, what we need to do is make sure that we can execute on the orders and that we're helping them spend as much money as they can before the 30th. If you remember from the last podcast, there's a, there's a belief that when state and local closes out, the IT budget year over year will be up 13%. So that means those procurement shops have got to get a lot more contracting actions out and funds awarded and uh, able to take advantage of the money that has uh, flown down uh, from the new administration. So, it, you know, it's about understanding seasonality in your business and customer base. It's about communication, having a communication plan, and it's about integrated planning with your customers. Your sales organization should be taking an incredible amount of their day just communicating with their customers in a positive way and getting as much information as they can. And I like that. I like the idea of just that constant contact. Yeah. Yep. So important at this point where you know that stuff is moving, you know that things are happening. But again, it it you know, it maybe it's not at the quite at the pace that you're hoping for, that you're wanting it to. But I also know that a lot of times, and this isn't just government, this isn't a lot of industries, that when that moment happens where they're ready to go and they're ready to spend, you need to be ready as well. And if you're not and you haven't been in communication, they might very easily go with the next guy who's, who's been keeping in touch with them. Absolutely. Instead. I mean, we talked about it. You know, you get that, that scenario where you've got hundreds. You're one of maybe 100 people that are responding right. to or trying to communicate and get in on. So, so some of the tips would be, you know, you need to make sure that your online presence or your marketing strategy is oriented towards government. So that you're answering those questions and you have uh, you don't want the seeds of doubt to be in the procurement person about who you are, what you are uh, and how you fit into this particular thing that's being uh, bid on. It's it, it, communications critical. And and we talked about it last time in the, in the last podcast over communicating, making sure that you have your strategy well thought out, well delineated uh, is, is critical, too. Now's the time to get all that in place. Right. You don't want to find yourself a couple months from now. Oh, my gosh, we got to scramble and get some case studies here or whatever it may be. You know, you know, now's the time to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, then, you know, Jeff, then you mentioned SLED and, and how they're kind of approaching kind of the end of their, you know, buying season in, in essence. And by the time this podcast comes out, I think we'll have maybe a couple weeks left in, mm -hmm. the, in, in the month of June <laughs> for that kind of planning. So, you know. What should what should our VARs in that space that space that are working on the sled side? What should they be thinking about 
you know, to wrap up the month and to start planning ahead for the next fiscal year? What is the what does Q1 of a new fiscal year in SLED look like? Yeah, I mean, it, I think Q1 is going to be is going to uh, buck normal uh, seasonality trends based on the $500 million that is in the technology modernization fund in the new federal IT budget, along with if the American Jobs Plan passes, we've already talked about community colleges and local schools are a huge emphasis from a technology standpoint, as well as access to technology. So between now and June, our partners need to make sure that they're communicating that we have a very strong and rigorous operational delivery order management process. We can process your orders in a timely manner. We can get you your gear in a timely manner so that you don't, because of operational inefficiency, you don't miss out on funding. And two, we need to be communicating to them the contract vehicles that are available to them to spend the money. Because even though we may assume that a contracting officer knows that there is uh, a GSA uh, cooperative purchasing uh, program that uh, 28 states, or I think 38 states can use, excuse me, um, that procurement officer in Boise, Idaho might not know that, right? And so... It's all about delivery order management, operational efficiency, being able to get your orders processed and invoiced so that you don't lose the funding, and then also creating a lot of communication around the contracting vehicles that you hold as a company to ensure that the procurement officials know what they can leverage. And, and that's how people are going to take care of June. Yeah. Identifying that contract vehicle, we talked about that before. That's pretty critical. You know, you need to have that delineated uh, mm -hmm. in, 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 as a part of the process. But, uh, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, then, you know, let's let's do a little future casting here and start thinking about yeah, maybe, you know, what's going to be a, a big deal this year as far as any particular technologies and solutions. You know, we talked all about, you know, what could be happening here in the American Jobs Plan, this infrastructure bill mm -hmm. and, you know, what we think the TDF or the TMF rather is going to, 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 to make an impact as we go forward. But, uh, you know, there's some of that is, is still kind of, you know, the, the long view look mm -hmm, of, you know, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, over the next decade. So mm -hmm. maybe we, you know, there's there's solutions that we think, yeah, this is going to come down the road. We're going to be doing more around this. And these solutions are going to matter maybe five years from now. But what kind of solutions, what kind of technology do you feel like is going to make an impact right now this year that our VARs should be focusing on? You know, I think uh, as a service, right, uh, being able to take legacy systems and platforms and create as a service models consumption models that are more efficient than government has today. Uh, and whether that be a niche application that does asset management or ID management or credentialing or something as big as infrastructure as a service, any uh, opportunity that our, our partners can to take away the lifecycle management of IT products and services away from the government and have them outsource them in, in complete solutions, even if they're niche solutions, that is where the, the short-term change is going to be driven. We'll talk later about where I think the long-term changes are, but uh, you know the government wants to get out of the business of having their own data centers. The government wants to get out of the business of managing cybersecurity. The government wants to get out of the business of lifecycle management of IT services. The government wants to reduce their operations and maintenance costs, right? So all of those things are going to be short-term changes. We all know the government change moves slow in government. Those changes have a lot of momentum. Those types of changes have a lot of momentum. And then behind that, which we'll talk about later, is, is emerging technologies, uh, which, um, you know, obviously is, is becoming more and more of an interest, especially the federal government. 
Jeff, let's dive a little bit more into that as a service model because I love the fact that you brought that up. Recurring revenue. John our and I talk about, here. yeah, talk about, <laughs> well, and just the whole as a service model, right? right? You know, the, the way to make yourself sticky to, to the end user. And, not, you know, I never thought about, or to their customer, I never thought about the government. You always, I always imagined or per, uh, my perception is the government operates on contracts right so i've got this one contract for this year that's it next year the whole thing's got to go out to bid again uh and you know it's the it's the whole rigmarole again but what i'm hearing from you now is a little bit different I'm, maybe i'm changing my mind here that if you can get a government contract with an as a service model uh now you're the government's sticky to you is is that the case are you seeing that is it easier for the government to re and as a service contract than it is what I would say a project-based contract? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, the interesting thing is it's, it's such a different model because it's more about managing a relationship mm. with an as a service provider than it is managing a technology in your legacy platforms, right? So, uh, but absolutely, we're seeing momentum around help desk as, uh, as a service, help desk as a service, software as a service, infrastructure as a service, um, cybersecurity as a service, all the things that the federal government really does not do well, or most government entities don't do well. Most government entities do, don't do well with help desk. Most uh, government asset tracking, asset management, lifecycle management, managing refreshes, knowing where their gear is, simple things like that. And we're getting to a point now where the aging demograph of the people that are in the, the IT organizations as they retire and they get replaced with the new generation of technologists, the only way those new generations of technologists know how to consume is as a service. Yeah, right. right. They yeah. don't know how to build a gigantic data center in Stafford, Virginia and call it you know, their second home. So I, I think that the short-term change that we're gonna see, and there's already been a lot of momentum behind it, especially software as a service, uh, is gonna be these as a service models where um, less investment is made on legacy platforms and, and uh, approaches, and more is made on modernization through as a service. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And if we could drill down into one other area, because you've brought it up a couple times around cybersecurity, or I'm just gonna I'm gonna lump that into security. Uh, when you look at the bill, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation, obviously there's some funding in in the current stage to to fund security, if mm -hmm. you will. And what I'm hearing from you, Jeff, is that the government doesn't necessarily want to be in the world of security. Uh, is that a particular niche uh, area where? Maybe if we have resellers out there that are interested in, in maybe they should put that obviously as, as part of their offering to have some kind of security offering around whatever their as a service model is. is it, that's important to lump in there, right? It, it absolutely is. And, and cybersecurity spend uh, in the next year's federal IT budget is up. And listen to the number here, 14%. So 14% of a big number is a big number. Remember, the federal IT budget next year will probably be around 85 billion, but underneath that, the, there's going to be investment in, in the flavor of 14 billion dollars for cybersecurity. And what happens is, this is an opportunity for our partners to build a bridge with government agencies because government agencies need more help with cybersecurity. One other thing: data management, data integrity, data security. But they need as much help with cybersecurity as any other part of their IT portfolio. And so if we can bring meaningful expertise uh, and as a service solutions or really great niche products. We, we have a new client right now. We have two, actually two new clients in the cyberspace that have some really incredible 
uh, identity management and also blockchain based uh, technologies that can enable. In other words, the government is never going to acquire that expertise. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to get it from industry. They're going to have to get it from people that are used to protecting our Fortune 50 companies and our, our banking institutions and all those other things. So, yes, the spending is up and the opportunity is up. Yeah. And and yeah. it's on that point, I think, that, that there's, there is opportunity yeah. there. And, and you have to have those optics because I, I think, Jeff, you, you laid it out very, very nicely in the sense that the government knows that, you know, they can't do these things. And, and, the, and that kind of technology is going to have to come from third party. And it's right. it's kind of scary what we're going through with all these attacks that are shutting down meat and shutting down yep. oil pipelines and stuff like that's not going away anytime soon. So, uh, you know, it's incumbent upon us all as technology solution providers providers to be able to partner up with the right people and offer those solutions yeah. along the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Jeff, uh, it was interesting you mentioned briefly earlier about asset tracking, that being just one of the various facets of, you know, of potential opportunity mm -hmm. out there. And it reminded me of this marketing campaign I've been working on with Zebra and a software partner of theirs that is aimed at, you know, asset management and inventory tracking at the federal level, especially for, you know, government contractors and like Department of Defense contractors. Mm -hmm. And there was some interesting stuff that I was reading when I was researching about it came along. And I wanted to kind of read this little point here. This is a, you know, a Congress has been pushing government agencies to find to for better financial management and improved accountability for decades. Uh, as recently as uh, 2021, there was the Congressional Budget, Congressional Budget Justification Transparency Act of 2021. Uh, in May of 2021, new legislation was introduced that would require any component of the Defense Department that fails to pass a clean audit to forfeit 1% of its budget back to the Treasury. Hmm. And again, to Jeff's point earlier, 1% of a giant budget <laughs> is a lot yeah. of money that might have to go back into the Treasury. It's a big number, right? And all for basically just for failing a simple, some simple audits of making sure that all of your assets are do well documented, mm. have all the correct IUID information you know, right? connected to them. And and it's it's stuff that should be fairly simple, but you know it's it's robust, massive amounts of inventory, assets, information, and again, that's the kind of thing where there's an opportunity for you to partner up with someone who is well versed in yeah, that. That's a really good point. Some smart technology. This one in particular is around RFID, for instance. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's there's great barcoding technology mm -hmm. that works in that realm too. And again, it's that opportunity and. And the opportunity exists because there's some pressure. And so these companies are probably getting pressure from DOD, mm -hmm. who themselves are feeling the pressure, because I, I believe they've failed like three straight audits since 2018. Oh, really? And they're getting this pressure to, you know, like, we've got to get this right. This has to get got done. Got it. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. if this legislation pushes through, they're going to have to start coughing up money as a penalty for, for not passing these audits. And there's one thing I've learned from Jeff. If, there, if there's one thing that a government agency doesn't like to do is lose funding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they're going to do everything to protect Exactly. their pot of gold that they have right jeff uh so yeah that's how they get that's how bureaucrats get their powers budget and um you know title so yeah right you're absolutely right and and you know i, I hope the legislation does pass i think it's it's the right type of legislation to drive it efficiencies um it's amazing as much as uh you know i love our country and i love our federal government it's it's you know, we heard a story recently where uh, a VIP, a three-star general, was was uh, visiting a military base, and his detail lost him on the base. They couldn't find him. Oh, so man. If you can't find, you know, the three-star general that oversees the military base, think about how hard it is to find a computer monitor for these guys, right? Yep. So, yep. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's definitely asset management. The, the other thing that, that creates an ROI from what you just what you um, articulated, 
is the percentage of operations and maintenance spent on legacy systems and devices versus new mm. investment. And it's anywhere 70 to 80% just to keep the lights on for most government agencies. And so they're never going to be able to get leverage on their IT portfolio for modernization or rationalize these funds if they're still basically paying to, to keep the lights on on stuff that could have been around 10, 15, 20 years, right? Wow. Well, yeah. and I would think that's where, again, the as a service type aspect would come in and right. be a, a nice way of going in and saying, hey, we're not asking you to give us $12 billion or $12 million even mm-hmm. up front mm-hmm. to do this for you. Mm-hmm. We will make this a service thing where you are maybe just paying in incremental amounts over time instead. Mm-hmm. And and you can you can save some of that budget for the stuff that you need to do simply to keep the lights on and keep in operation mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet still pay us yeah. you know, what, what you need in order to to update your infrastructure, to update these critical systems and get you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, to me, we're reached the point where in my mind, a government entity should not be less less savvy and secure and technologically advanced than an average Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, right. Or even not even five Fortune 500 company. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of just you know mom and pop companies around that probably have better IT setups than than government agencies do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So. Without having to put an RFID tag yeah. on the three star general. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Jeff. That's a good one. No, well, the, the other, just to, uh, to build on that, the technology modernization fund that's being managed through GSA is another well-intended thing that I think reemphasizes uh, what we just discussed. And the the agencies have to petition for the funds, and it's ironically it's based on three things: likelihood of implementation, which is really wicked smart because the government spends a lot of time and money on technology they don't implement, right? Mm-hmm. Likely of uh, likelihood of uh, displacing legacy systems and processes, and then three ROI. And so, if you want to go get all these technology modernization funds, you know you're going to need help from industry to make those types of justifications to GSA. And if you really want the funds, you got to prove to them that you're going to implement them as a part of the petitioning process for the funding. So, um, it's another way for us to build a bridge with our government customers. Yeah. Very good Great point. points. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jeff, uh, you've brought up a lot of good stuff today, and you kind of hinted also that we've uh, we've probably got some some talking points again in the future. I mean, we I, we already talked about we're probably going to bring you on several times this year because you know I, I do want us to kind of follow through the process of a of a year's worth mm-hmm. of, of government selling and what it's like for for our bars in the government space at different times a year. So you know, I think we'll come back in the future and get into maybe a little bit more of some future casting of technologies that might emerge down the road. That we need to be paying attention to. Obviously, at some point, hopefully in the near future, we will have a solidified, you know, plan and a budget that's pushed through here mm-hmm. for this infrastructure bill, so we mm-hmm. can really get a feel for exactly how much is going everywhere and where the opportunity. Maybe we'll pick might through lie, it a little so. bit, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll try to distill because I'm sure it's going to be a 600 page document oh, sure, or something yeah. like that. We'll, we'll find the Cliff's Notes, or more importantly, we'll let Jeff <laughs> read the 600 page document <laughs> and give us the Cliff's Notes because it's kind of his job. There you that, go. So. All right. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well. well Legislative geek. So there you go. I have to say <laughs> that's that's well, you've got to be to be in this kind of role. So, uh, well, you yeah. know, before we move on to our our usual recurring segments, uh, let's first of all, as always, yep. thank our sponsors: Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. And of course, Zebra, thank you so much for lending Jeff to us for this particular conversation. Uh, we appreciate your support of the show. As always, if you have uh, any, well, first of all, if you like the show, 
If you're watching on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, leave us a comment, tell mm -hmm. us what you think. Uh, not the spam comments. I get the weird spam comments on there sometimes. I don't <laughs> want those. I want real comments of what you thought about the episode. Uh, give us some feedback. If you listen to us on Apple, give us a five-star rating review. Any other podcast app, if there's any way to follow, like, subscribe, please do that as well. And uh, of course, if you want to reach out to us, if you have any thoughts on the show, any topics you'd like to discuss in the future, if there's certain things you want us to talk about with Jeff the next time he is on, you can reach out to us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, well, let's wrap up with our recurring segments. First of all, the value to the VAR. Yep. Um, as always, I feel like the entire episode was a lot of value to the VAR, but let's kind of wrap it up and distill it down to yeah. a clear message there here. There you go. Which is, you know, first of all, to talk about how we as Blue Star and how Zebra, you know, which Jeff does a lot of work with, how are we helping our government VARs during this buying season? What, you know, what, what do we bring to the table for them? Well, it's, it's all about resources and communication. You know, we want to have an integrated planning session with you and make you make our partners successful in the buying season. Uh, and that's uh, opportunity management for the top six or eight deals that each one of our partners may have. It's also, uh, we'll be extending our hours, I know, to, for coverage at peak times and making sure that we uh, execute behind the VAR to bring these deals home and knock them home. And um, the more we communicate, the more effective we're going to be, especially around larger opportunities and the more that we forecast in a, in a kind of an integrated forecasting model, the more successful Blue Star and Zebra can be for our VARs. And so we want to be obviously a pivotal part of our, our VAR success and maximizing the opportunity in, in the months ahead. Yeah. And to uh, Jeff's yeah. point there, it, it comes down to resources. I, I love that word. It, it's true. I mean, you need to be able to put resources behind it. And I think what we're bringing to the table, at least from a Blue Star perspective, uh, we have different tools that we can help you with. Uh, we have resources. We have Brian Ray, for example, mm -hmm. who is our government uh, initiative lead. If you're needing help and just kind of you need a sounding board or somebody to talk to about opportunities at the federal sled level, uh, we have that capability. Of course, we can tap you into Jeff as well, uh, and Michelle, and True Upside if, if we need to go that direction as well. We have tool sets where we're monitoring bids that are coming out from the government. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so we have the ability to tap into that. And if we know what you're looking for, we can put you into that flow as well. So again, we have tool sets, we have expertise uh, behind the scenes that can help you. All you have to do is reach out to your sales rep or reach out to one of your the BDMs on one of the manufacturer lines that we have representative, like our, our Zebra team, uh, and they can help you uh, to connect those dots because it's really important. You know, there's a lot of opportunity coming out there in, in the government with the spending that's already on the table and some proposed spending, not to mention that just knowing how to work within the government is not a bad thing. You know, right, if you're a right. reseller, it's yet another part of your, your pie that you could grow uh, and be stable because I don't think the government's going anywhere anytime soon. So you know, it's one of those. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those businesses that's going to be around for a little while. I would so think there you so. Go. Yeah. yeah, right. Uh, barring a very dramatic change to everything and right. everyone. Yes. There you go. I think, I think we're going to be doing <laughs> as well. I, I really don't have anything to add to that. I was going to say kind of similar to you, Dean. Is yeah. that, you know, we we have a lot of resources we can tap right. into on the Blue Star level. Yeah, we're happy to connect you to the right people. You know, it's the whole no vars and island. Uh, yeah. Yep. When you when you get that scary RFQ, you know that is you know. <laughs> 
multiple pages long and filled with all kinds of technical detail. And yeah. granted, I'm assuming you know a lot more about it than you know than than other people might. You know what to expect out of it, and what they're asking for. But if you don't reach out to us, we are happy to put let you. Let me in give touch you. Let right me give you an idea. Like if you're going to read a story in your local newspaper or whatever online, and you see that some of the dollars being invested is going to be in I don't know car chargers for electric, you know infrastructure yeah. and stuff like that. Hey, look, you know that's something that we Blue Star is interested in as well. Yeah, let us reach know. out to us, and we might have some resources that we could help you navigate that if you see that opportunity come down. Just don't be shy. I guess you know when it comes to the government, because I get it. It's like this. We talked about it in the last last podcast. It's this monolith. It's like this. What is that? The government, big black, you know, whatever monolith. I'm thinking of from 2010. It's not just black helicopters. Yes, and, right, you know, right. Yeah, and black special ops and, and special yeah. ops. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you can actually get good opportunities right. coming out of the government. You don't have to be SEAL Team 6 to win an opportunity. Bingo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Go ahead and snipe the competition. Right, so. right, right. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up with our favorite segment of each week, uh, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of technology, yes. innovation, science that's that's got our eye, caught our attention this week. Jeff, we'll start with you. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? Yeah, I took... Uh... Both a strategic and tactical approach uh, for this question uh, to end. I would say what's tech connecting with me the most is IT modernization and mm -hmm. the initiatives around IT modernization. And underneath that tactically, it's the emerging technologies that are going to enable IT modernization that we need to make sure that we're prepared to bring to our public sector customers. AI, blockchain, data management, data integrity, data protection, um, cyber solutions, uh, asset management solutions, a lot of the things that we've talked about before, but at a high level, it's IT modernization. Behind that high level, if you peel it back, it's emerging technologies and as a service models that make our public sector IT departments more efficient at what they do with their IT spend. And that's what's resonating with me right now because we are in that season where we wanna claim those dollars. And if we bring those compelling solutions for IT modernization, we're going to get more than our fare of the market. Amen. Uh, That's a good one. Yep, I love is. how you tied in your interest <laughs> to actual business opportunities. We usually just talk about nerdy stuff that's right. got our attention, but you know, <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's out here like you know selling us on the future. So, yes, wow. he's being very tactical uh, about it. <laughs> nice one, Jeff. And but he, you know, you're right. I mean, we we've been talking about blockchain and AI and, and security and and the need for that. The need is real, and the, right. and the need for us as technology solution. Well, providers and again, it shouldn't that. just be something that you know a tech company is developing and using for us. As consumers, right. there's no reason the government can't get involved in this stuff right. and find practical, useful uses for it that, that help everybody, you know? Absolutely. So. Reshore some of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, bring it back home. There All right. Go. What's tech connecting with you, Dean? You got junk at your house? Do you, uh, do you have junk, you know, just uh, laying yeah, around? Yeah, as much as we would like not to, yeah. Do you ever worry about that smashing into you at, like, you know, ungodly speeds? Not particularly. Uh, well, I mean, we got an issue with space. Unless my son's throwing a toy across the room <laughs> for some reason. We got an issue with space junk. That's what oh, is tech connecting with yes, me. Yes. And apparently we've got so much of this stuff. It actually hit the International Space Station the other day. And, and you know, not a lot of damage, I guess, and maybe knocked out or it hit a piece of what they call the Canada arm, uh, which is like this arm that, that operates. Sorry, out Canada. There. But <laughs> yeah, and, and they got some people working on it or whatever. But it was it was shocking because, you know, you, you hear about this. But here's the, the one statistic that came out of this article that I was reading. I was like, what? 
According to this, whatever, this agency, over 23,000 objects the size of a softball or larger are being tracked 24-7 for potential collisions with satellites and the International Space Station. 23,000 objects. So now, you know, I'm sure everybody's kind of heard it, but that kind of put it in perspective. There's a lot of junk. And then that's just softball size or larger. But if you think about it, it doesn't have to be that big at the speeds that it's traveling, whatever, in orbit, whatever, tens of thousands of miles an hour it's going there are actually 130 million objects that are up there up to upwards of a millimeter size or bigger which apparently is well a millimeter can do a lot of damage that's what they're saying yeah Yeah, i mean you get a millimeter going 17,000 miles an hour i don't care what you punch a hole in something it's gonna poke a hole in something including a person yeah there was no debate or there was no answer because i don't know how you go up there you don't what you don't just take a big shop vac up there and try to (laughs) isn't it amazing that for as little as we've actually been in space we've still made to junk up space somehow we have with the first one i guess going up there sputnik in 1957 yep. you know so it's taken us whatever 60 years and we, we've just junked the place yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well and if you remember a few it's been maybe about a month maybe a few weeks back or so there was a like a something from a chinese space station that was plummeting towards earth and yes. they really didn't know where it was gonna land they didn't know yeah so we don't like know where that's going Anybody could have just been randomly killed by a piece of space junk falling out of the sky because they weren't exactly sure. Yeah, but it was like it was the size going. of a bus. Yeah, right? it was yeah. a man. It was a large piece. Yeah, and, and thankfully, you know, nothing happened from it. Nobody got hurt from it. But so, so how are we going to fulfill your dream of getting to Mars one day when we can't <laughs> we even can't get even through keep... the junk field? You know, getting out of our orbit. Well, that's the problem. We we go and do all these new cool things, and we don't even think about the practical stuff that we need to clean up behind eh, us. It's like go. that movie Wall-E. Yes, you exactly. Know, like we're just going to leave. Eventually, we're just going to be like, all right, we're just taking off because we've left too much junk. We'll leave some robots to clean it up. And we'll come <laughs> back later. We're fine. They'll build skyscrapers out of the junk we've left behind. I Bingo. Mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. So what's tech connecting with you? Uh, well, this is a very popular subject that has suddenly popped up in the last couple of days. And it's funny because I saw it like on my neighborhood Facebook page, people talking about it. My oh wife boy. sent me an article about it this morning and I had just seen about it yesterday. Amazon Sidewalk. Have you what? heard about no. this yet? No. What is this now? So Amazon is proposing a new, a new type of network called Sidewalk that would basically build like an external like an external internet in infrastructure outside of people's homes in neighborhoods. Okay. Where it would be able to tap into some smart devices within your home, like an Amazon Echo, some of the, like the Ring, like, you know, okay. alarm systems and doorbells and whatnot. All right. Some of these interconnected devices and dr- pull a little bit of your internet into like a pool of internet that the entire neighborhood could then use. Okay. So any of these bridge devices that you have, these types of devices rather than drawing on your home internet, could draw on this sidewalk internet instead and use that use that internet to kind of power them and, and you know and feed them the internet connection that they need without tapping into your home network and draining your resources and speed. Okay. In practicality, I I get the idea and it kind of makes sense. I get the idea of having a pool that some devices are drawing from that like you need for your home, but you don't necessarily want cluttering up so that you can't watch Netflix at full speed, right, you know, or, right, or be right. doing your work at home on your computer. Like, I get that stuff, but of course, a lot of people are concerned about what does this mean from a privacy, privacy. Yeah, aspect. Exactly. You know, who's going to, what's going to so stop So Amazon would from... be providing the sidewalk. Is that correct? Right, okay. Exactly. Because they've got more and money it's, than and God. It's their devices that are right now that are the bridge devices that would got connect it. to it. So, like, the own ring, for instance, right, you know, the Amazon right. Echo, any of like smart garage type stuff or whatever they might own. 
So it would be like devices that they own that serve as bridges that basically take, and they, they said it's very small amounts of your internet connectivity that it would be drawing from, so you wouldn't see much of a difference. Uh-huh. But the fact that it would then be able to help connect and power your devices and, yeah. and and give them the internet would in fact actually give you more broadband and more space you know to to play with and more mm. speed to play with interesting I, I again i like the concept what's been funny what's been floating all over social media is how to opt out of this like people are just like <laughs> how to opt out it's not even a thing yet and it's and let's be honest it's something that's probably going to be in very specific neighborhoods i'm sure it's yeah, going right. to be urban yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in cities first you know you're not going to just see it in some random suburbs anytime soon mm-hmm. you know and, and I, so it's a long way off i'm sure but it is fascinating to me that this is a concept that they've come up with and i i again i see like man there's a there's some smart practical ideas behind this mm-hmm. but i totally understand why people are freaking some out or wondering well. like yeah. you know what if somebody decides to tap into that and gets yeah. access to my echo can listen to everything i'm doing can give it commands can open my garage yeah. can turn off my doorbell now we're gonna you know. need government regulation uh, right probably there you yeah. go so this <laughs> yeah, is one so of those so instead of the internet of things it would be the internet of amazon things <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well it just all right, goes Jeff. back to our usual big tech conversation yeah, like how much yeah. power should they have? And right. yeah, this is one of those things I feel like may never actually end up happening or may happen on a very small basis and never get anywhere. But, Probably. But it is because I'm still waiting for the blimps to, to deliver us yeah, goods exactly. that, you know, are yeah, the, the giant warehouses in the sky. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So anyway. So. All right. Well, Jeff Smith, thank you so much for being with us. We will definitely have you back uh, probably in a few months to, to talk about what's next and where yes. we are again. So thank you for your insight today. Thank you both. All right. Well, of course, it is unfortunately time for us to unplug. So for Dean Reverment, I'm John Martin. Thanks so much. Until next time, stay connected. Powerful printing should be easy. And that's exactly what you get from Zebra's newest advanced desktop printers, the ZD421 and ZD621. Offering direct thermal and thermal transfer models, these printers build on Zebra's proven and popular past, flexible, secure printing in a variety of industries. Ribbon cartridge, RFID, wireless kit, peeler, cutter, full shift battery, touchscreen, these are just some of the features and options available to customize for any need. With a two-year warranty and robust service options to maximize uptime, the new ZD series is designed to last. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star representative.